From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, we get a chance a lot to talk about uh, sort of new technologies. We talk about new architectures. And, and sometimes there's there's parts of technology that we, we sort of assume are going to stay the same forever. Part of operations, you know, they're going to stay the same forever. We have to do them. And then every once in a while, some, some very interesting innovation comes along. And we have to rethink some things that we know we have to do as part of IT. Um, <coughs> And we really want to think about, is there a better way to do it? And so today, very interested that there's a company that sort of popped up on our radar, has been getting a lot of press these days that we really wanted to take a look at and, and really dig into. So very excited to have both Andrew Miller and uh, Ken Hoy from Rubric join us today. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Thanks. Glad to be on again. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it my first time yeah so ken you've you've always you've obviously been on quite a bit are been a guest on the show you've been a co-host on the show uh, but andrew first time for you um why don't you andrew why don't you give us a little bit of your background and uh maybe both of you guys give us because we've, we've known both of you for a little while but give us some sense of uh why you're you're over at rubric these days what's what's exciting about the space and uh what's what's exciting about the company for you i think brian i think you and i first met back in maybe a, a vero madness but i started on the customer side for seven years Years, kind of admin to engineer to architect in the data center with virtualization and storage and backups and networking, just, just an awesome broad base. Then was on the partner side, actually with a company named Vero where we met. For, and partner side was about eight years, kind of SE to manager to director and took a little bit of time off. And in, in joining Rubric, it, it was frankly about, um, I've been on the customer side, partner side, to be honest, I hadn't done the vendor side before. So there was some like personal growth there. Uh, there was also the aspect of like, where do I want my career to go? It's toward cloud type stuff. I see Rupert moving there while it leveraged some of my own background. And as well, actually, technical marketing was a little bit of a it was a little bit of a risk for me because I'd done related things, but I'd not done this before. So the, the challenge of doing, you know, kind of stretching myself at a personal level and being able to build a, a team was was really exciting. And I should definitely mention folks like Chris Wall and Kyle Frank. I mean, there's some there's some really sharp folks here that I get to work with. So that's the relatively short answer. Yeah, very cool. Ken, you've been, you've done a lot of things. I mean, you've been in OpenStack, you were looking at containers at one point. What's drawn you over to uh, to cloud data management lately? Yeah, I think most of the Cloudcast uh, listeners will know I've been involved in the OpenStack space for a long time. I was getting, as you said, getting into containers and then also uh, getting involved with public cloud, particularly around Amazon Web Services. But I actually started my career kind of back in the in the data center doing systems administration and lots of backup admin work. And I, like you had mentioned earlier, I thought that space was never going to change. It was gonna, always going to be a pain. And then I heard about Rubrik, found out what they were doing, really liked the concept they had of changing the way data management and data protection should work, and then was really attracted to the idea that they were somehow integrating that uh, with the cloud in more ways than just kind of dumping backup data, They're actually using it in a meaningful way. So uh, I started looking at Rubrik, uh, saw that they had Andrew and Chris Wall was, were building this great technical marketing team. So I thought, I would find out more and decide to sign up. Very cool. Yeah, I know, you know, a few years ago, you know, I had seen Chris Wall go over there. And, and for folks that don't know Chris Wall, Chris, very, very smart guy, um, also runs a podcast called Data Knots, which I, I highly recommend. Uh, I think it's D-A-T-A-N-A-U-T-S, sort of like astronauts. You know, I saw him go over there. I said, okay, you know, went, went to a storage company, um, you know, hadn't necessarily 
thought about it too much. And, and then I start seeing, here's a, here's a company in the, in the, in the cloud management space takes, takes a big round of funding, then takes another big round of funding. And then I'm sort of hearing these stories about, you know, we're hiring a hundred people a quarter and so forth. And I start going, wait a second, this is, this is kind of strange because, you know, the VC funding tends to have shifted away from infrastructure, or at least feels like it shifted away from infrastructure, feels like it's shifting more towards things that are enabling the public cloud, hybrid cloud and so forth. And it was like, okay, what's going on with this company and what, what makes it different? So, Give me a sense, guys, like what, you know, Ken, you talked about, you didn't think this, this space was going to change data management backup uh, and so forth. Like what is sort of radically different about Rubrik that is, is driving all this VC funding, all this hiring and so forth? Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll start a little bit and then I'll let Andrew jump in because he, he's actually been there longer. Okay, sure. And probably share a little more stories. But I think the key thing I saw there was, again, they weren't looking at just kind of doing backups, but they were and but they were really looking at, can we help customers get data over to the public cloud? And once it's there, can they use it for something uh, useful? So an uh, example would be, I've got, you know, I've got all these VM backups. Now can I use it to spin up test dev and for DR in any of the public clouds? And that, that was what really attracted me, this idea of using these public cloud use cases of data that you've kind of backed up from on-prem and then doing it in any of the big three uh, public cloud vendors. I think this is actually kind of the question that like Ken and myself and Chris and even Rebecca fits you on our team. I mean, we all asked when we were looking at Rubrik because it's like we didn't necessarily want to join a back recovery company. It's like, I mean, you're absolutely right. VCs seems like are not investing in traditional infrastructure companies. It's really clear internally, internal discussions that like, you know, there's not investment in hardware companies, there's not investment in back recovery companies. So, I mean, we can't, well, we can't look like that, but, but more importantly, we can't be that. <laughs> like, and that goes toward dramatically simplifying stuff that people need already. Because I mean, you can't not have backup and recovery in some ways, but saying that that's not the, the purpose of the company, that's a big use case. And then that's the first use case. With, and then the next use cases go into like native cloud integration. If you even, there's even this um, interesting interview with Bibble Sin on the CEO way back before, like around the founding of the company, where one of the starting things was around him looking at cloud blob storage and thinking, okay, this is like a really cool resource. And like, how can people actually use this in a, in a worthwhile way? And, and, you know, if you look at Rubrik, that's where, as Ken mentioned, there's native archiving to the cloud and then some intelligence there. Like when you have to do restores, so you don't have to pull everything back out of the MDK, that kind of thing. So the core of it is that simplifying a lot of stuff that people already need, giving them a bridge to the cloud. And then from a vision perspective, and this is where it gets risky, is is that if you've got a big pool of data, a lot of interesting things you can do to help customers unlock value out of it. I just want to add to, I think one thing I'm we're definitely seeing, I don't think VCs are interested in investing in just infrastructure companies, but they are invested in, interested in investing in companies that are solving big customer pain points. And the three things I'm definitely seeing pain points wise is no one likes a backup solution, <laughs> or very few do. Data management is a pain, and even more of a pain when you have to use, when you go up to the cloud. And everyone's looking for someone who can help them figure out how to simplify things and kind of remove that pain. And I think that's kind of where Rubrik's trying to, we've got a story we're trying to uh, develop around this idea. We'll help people pain points. Yeah. No, and that, that that's always a, a great place to start with. You know, right? start with start with customers' problems and uh, and and try and solve those problems. Let's talk about the architecture. I, I've been doing a little bit of homework on it. Uh, you know, looking at um, you know looking at a bunch of videos from things like Tech Field Day and and other things that are on YouTube, and you know, looking at white papers. Rubric makes a claim. You know, that's basically like we're not sort of doing things incrementally different. We're doing things you know very very different in terms of how we do backup, in terms of how we can you know where we can 
place the data and so forth. So walk me through a little bit. I mean, we're not, we don't have a whiteboard in front of me and we'll have some links to whiteboards, but kind of walk me through the basics of what rubric does that is so different that, that obviously is, is getting a lot of people's attention. You know, how does it compare versus some traditional sort of ways of backing up data, backing up virtual machines, things like that? A lot of this for me is out of like my own personal background. Like I ran backup exec, I ran Tivoli storage manager, I'm architect, I'm more data domain. Just like this is my, like my personal history, if you will. Um, so the, the biggest thing is focusing on simplifying and that, and that comes out in a couple architectural ways. The first is you take the hardware, you take the software, you put it all together. Um, you do it in a, in a system where you have a custom written file system. So it's scale out. You, you don't have forklift upgrades, that kind of thing. You've converged a lot of pieces in the stack. I'm, I'm waving my hands around here as I'm talking, right? You know, the, the where you have the storage and the servers and the backup software and even maybe kind of the tape drives too because we can use, use cloud for that. So there's this convergence of a lot of different parts and pieces. And, and we've seen that, frankly. I mean, if you want to compare it in a way to, you know, from the ground up to, you know, 10 feet or something, it looks similar to some what Nutanix did with hyperconvert. But, yeah, I mean, that, that was sort of what, what jumped out at me. It was, it felt like there was some parallels to to what's going on in, in kind of core infrastructure, right? So we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, silos of compute and storage uh, kind of becoming what they call hyperconverged or, or HCI. I feel like you guys are are doing that. The, the scale out piece is very interesting. It, it seems to simplify the operations, right? You just sort of add more capacity without having to think about adding more capacity as you typically do. You know, is that sort of the beginning of, of where it becomes different? Yeah. So the scale in particular, I think. So one of the things that when we talk to enterprise customers in particular, that sometimes I have a little trouble getting wrapping their head around is they use so used to this idea that if you're using a traditional backup software, there's like a master database catalog uh, that um, manages all the backup jobs. And if something happens to that backup server or those catalog database, basically you're toast, right? And in this architecture, there is no master server. Every node, it's like a true true distributed architecture where every single node has all the information it needs. And it's kind of all the intelligence distributed. That's why you can you go you can lose nodes and things will keep running. We can add things and, and we don't have to worry about like hitting a limit on a single server. That's the master server. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Some of the the new companies that are that are emerging, especially the ones that their architecture is essentially distributed. You know, a lot of things that happen in our industry, you tend to see people that that stay in a certain segment for a long time. So you'll see the the founders of a company. Well, we we. We started a company, then we sold it to NetApp, or we sold it to EMC, and then we started another company, and then we sold it to another one. And what we're seeing now is we're seeing you know, the, the founders and the core engineers are coming from places like Facebook and other places that are Google, where mm-hmm. distributed systems are, are at the core of what they do. And so uh, I think you're getting a very different sort of look at, at how to deal with these problems. And you know, like people say, the traditional problems in that I've got a you know, I got to backup data, I've got to archive it, I want to recover it. But I'm looking at it from, like you said, sort of a cloud native approach where I'm distributing the software, I'm taking single points of failure out. Um, that's a big deal. And it's a, it is a big, a big change from how things have been done in the past. There's yeah. a great Tech Field Day 12 presentation by one of the uh, founding engineers who came from Google, actually was involved in like the Colossus file system, where he walks through his experience there and how we apply that in building the, the rubric file system. So you're, you're absolutely right on like similar design principles and even people doing it. The other thing that, that jumps out at me that's different is the storage industry went through a big change of managing tapes as being the backup sort of target uh, to, to disks and, and people like um, data domain really kind of changed that paradigm. They were able to 
to use disk drives. They're able to do deduplication in interesting ways. They're able to bring cost way down so that people said, okay, the, the cost of this new medium is, is on par generally with, with the other medium or the, or the cost plus the, the time to recovery is, is on par or better. You guys are, are changing that once again, where, where the cloud becomes, you know, the public cloud becomes a target. And I think you're, you're incorporating flash in, in some new and interesting ways. Can you talk about kind of how you're changing the, the medium piece of, uh, of backup and recovery? Yeah, so there, there's, there's kind of two pieces there. The first is, and this even goes back to like my own personal history of coming in each morning and being the guy who had to deal with like failed backup jobs and that kind of stuff. So we're moving first. And this is now realized to cloud to if you think about like declarative versus imperative models where it's like, you know, so you set a policy and the system manages everything for you. In this case, for us, it's about, you know, how often do you back up and uh, how long do you keep it for and where does it get archived and when and replicated and when that kind of thing. So it's, it's first and foremost about not having to manage jobs and tasks. And I've got a, a bunch of customer stories there about like hours down to 10 or 20 minutes a day managing stuff kind of. But that then relates into because if you're not having to manage it at that kind of granular level, and you have flash in the on-premises appliance kind of thing, and you've got cloud as an archive target, you're you're setting the policies that, and then the system is figuring out, okay, you know, X amount of data needs to stay on site for faster restores, but for longer term archive, X amount should live out in the cloud, that kind of thing. You've even got then capabilities to around, um, like, I mean, we, we were able to do live mount off the box, and I've had, you know, customers with like five server environments that have been hit by ransomware, and they can bring them back up within, you know, 15 minutes kind of thing by being able to leverage mounting virtual machines directly off rubric storage, motioning in the background, that kind of thing. Not primary storage, but it, it even, if you simplify the front end stuff enough, it can even tie into some really interesting recovery uh, possibilities that uh, that can be impactful way beyond the traditional backup and recovery teams. And- I think just in specifically the question of um, the public cloud as a medium, I think, like I said, I used to be a backup band and then we sent tapes off to Island Mountain just as a general practice. And the reality is we did that hoping of believing we would never actually have to use that tape because <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. we knew it would take too long. And, but I think what's happening is we hit at this critical point where things like ransomware that Andrew talked about of all these um, various attacks that we're seeing and natural disasters is all of a sudden recovering during a, 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 from a disaster actually is a real thing that every company has to actually seriously think about. Um, I've been at a couple of companies where we had disasters and our kind of our solution was let's get everything from tape offsite. And we realized by the time we get all that back and we store, we'll be out of business. So I think <laughs> with the cloud, you're, you're getting, not only get, is it more cost efficient than uh, sending things off to tape, but you can actually get things back faster. Or you can, in some cases, even use the cl- leverage the cloud to kind of spin up a new environment again. So I think that need to uh, recover more quickly is causing people to rethink is really like shipping things off to tape on a truck the best way to go? Or do we want to have something that you, you basically can get to 24-7 um, just doing some API calls. Gotcha, gotcha. So you guys are you're really sort of shifting the focus from from backup to recovery almost. Uh, you know, backup is is fine, and you have to do it for compliance reasons. But recovery is really where the value is. You know, and just like you said, in terms of uh, the changing dynamics of what's out there, whether it's ransomware or a failure or something like that. Let, let's talk a little bit about about the about the public cloud. When you make public cloud, uh, you know, kind of part of the platform, part of what what you expect people to use um you know you people have to get comfortable with it and you know we've seen we've seen things like vmware is now finally kind of saying okay we'll 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 accept that aws is a you know a valid target and we'll we'll partner with them and so forth but but for a long time 
you know, a lot of the people that were very VM centric uh, were fearful of the of the public cloud. What are you seeing in terms of of your customers feeling comfortable using it? Um, how are their best practices starting to change around using the public cloud? Like, how is that shift happening in in your world? What I'm seeing anyway is that a lot of people are kind of you know in different. It's a trope to talk about the cloud journey. <laughs> but we actually do see people on different stages kind of on that road to getting into the public cloud. So right now what we're seeing, at least with enterprises, most of them are still kind of looking at public cloud as a place to, to store data, okay. uh, particularly archiving. So uh, most of our customers, that's their first step. They've like, I've, you know, I'm, I'm moving off a of tape. Um, I need, I want to put things in like S3 or Azure blob storage or Google cloud storage. Um, but I want to, but they want to be able to do it without having to change all their processes, right? Because it's, because that's painful. Um, so, you know, one of the one ways we're gaining traction is with that declarative model that Andrew talked about, where it's uh, there's very little that needs to be, a customer has to do to, to actually get things archived out to the public cloud. So <coughs> kind of say, hey, my retention is, it's good. My retention is going to be X on prem. And then it's, and then the rest of the time is going to be on the public cloud. And we kind of handle everything behind the scenes. So that's where most customers are. We are starting to see some more people who, now that they have that data sitting up there, they, they want to look at maybe doing test dev, maybe disaster recovery, and then eventually production. And the concerns they have there is, I think, the one that's been there forever, which is, I've got X amount of data on prem on premises. How do I get it up to the public cloud in a cost-effective way and, and in a timely fashion? Um, and that's another problem that we're trying to solve for customers. And are, and are you starting to see people say, hey, you know, you've made it easier for me to get data into the public cloud. And, and maybe they are a VMware, like a VMware customer, for example. And they start to say, oh, the, you know, the VMware on AWS cloud, because I can get access to my data, sort of blend the, the common processes together. Is that, are you starting to see those things align up or is it still kind of, you know, how, how they might use the public cloud for, for dev and test is still kind of a, a separate thought process, you know, essentially right. getting VM set up. I think I, when I talk to, you know, I go to a lot of Andrew too, and the whole team, we go to a lot of these um, VMUGs, mm-hmm. and there's definitely interest in uh, in the whole VMware cloud and AWS. I think it's still early, and people aren't really haven't really bought off on it yet. <laughs> and so they've kind of looked at the, they want to look a little more at the architecture, um, get behind the uh, the dollar numbers a little bit more. Um, but I think people are starting, uh, looking at to see if they can do that as a beginning way to, to approach this. Um, but I think for, for now, like I said, in the public, in terms of public clouds, really just fo- mainly focus on uh, dumping data there because it's cheap, <laughs> to be honest. And then Let's start doing some test there, maybe with some new environments, but and maybe, but in some cases with kind of with some of the stuff they're running on prem. But okay. um, I think I think this it's still it's going to take them a little while to the to where they'll be comfortable saying I'm going to move all my production, even if it's running on VMware, onto the public cloud. There's actually a, a story I wanted to add, kind of add on there. I was talking with a friend who used to be a DBA. He's now an SCU. He's actually helping a customer with this, where a lot of times test dev hardware is, is challenging. Like if you ever had to provision that, there's always a need for more. So they're literally, um, in this case, they're backing up at a SQL level, database level with Rubrik in the cloud, and then using what's called SQL live mount, so you don't have to restore it. And then you can actually just like mount SQL directly off Rubrik. And then they're firing up test dev instances with you know free paper drip hardware up in AWS, and it's actually had a pretty big impact on um, being able to do uh, database validation, schema, uh, sorry, doing like schema validation for upgrades, that kind of thing. So it's like all these couple pieces put together 
but basically as a, as a pressure release valve around lack of hardware, recurring issues with lack of hardware for test dev needs in the data center. Just like when we started talking about that, he got really excited and then I got excited when I saw a customer actually doing it. Well, I mean, it makes, I mean, it makes a ton of sense at this point, you know, it doesn't, there's no real economic reason why you would want to have dedicated backup facilities. You know, you can use the cloud. It's, it's generally available in, in most geographies. Um, you know, you can set up things like Chef and Ansible to basically rebuild your your server infrastructure. You could rebuild it on top of Amazon or Azure. And like you guys said, if if your data or copies of your data is then, you know, close in proximity, I mean, there's really no reason to have, uh, you know, a physical data center sitting around consuming CapEx resources, consuming power and cooling, or, you know, just wondering if it's going to come up and run. You know, you know something is, is going to be there. So it'll, it'll be very interesting to see if if now that the pieces are becoming simpler and simpler, like you said, people get comfortable with, with those sorts of things. What about anything else? I mean, have you seen any other kind of noticeable differences as, as people are, are beginning to understand the public cloud um, as a, as a target? Um, are they, are they asking better questions about, you know, how to get data there faster, how to encrypt data? You know, what, what other types of things are you seeing uh, change as, as the public cloud becomes part of their their day-to-day architecture? Main thing I, I'm seeing and hearing sometimes is people asking better questions about automation and APIs, just because that gets, if you're starting to think public cloud, you're, you're going there mentally. Um, we, we, we like that, frankly, just because, you know, you can do everything in rubric from an API perspective, but, but it's sometimes more just about helping people think holistically about, you know, let's start to make the assumptions that everything can be automated, driven out of a, a service now, or be realized automated, or, or and like you mentioned, Chef and Ansible, or that kind of thing. But, but starting to, even if you have cool pieces down the infrastructure stack, that you're starting to think about how do I not interact with those, but, but, but how do I interact at a, at a higher level from kind of a, an overall orchestration perspective and, and more intelligent questions around that. One of the things I'm seeing, uh, beginning to see more of too, is um, as customers get more comfortable. So a typical customer will, will choose a public, one of the three public cloud vendors and kind of uh, do a lot of their archiving or their work on there. Um, but over time, what I'm starting to see is customers start exploring uh, what if I run things on a couple of different clouds? Again, it's a lot. some of that has to do with, you know, concerns about lock-in. Um, some of that has to do with, Maybe one public cloud has services that they like more than another. And so there's a, I think that's starting to build some questions and some best practice around if I want to use AWS and Azure, what's, what's the best practice there? You know, is there particular workloads I should be running on one cloud versus another? And uh, as you know, like each cloud has slightly different approaches to even doing, uh, say, uh, object storage. And so there's, there's starting to have questions about well, if, I, if I store things in uh, Glacier and in, in AWS, how's that different from storing things uh, in cold storage in Google? So we're trying to obviously help customers kind of sort that out so they can figure out what the best kind of cloud approach is for them. Right. And, and you guys, for the most part, you sort of abstract those differences, right? They Obviously, they'd want to know what the difference is or figure out pricing differences, but in terms of abstracting them, they just look like a, a drop-down target on a menu for for you guys, correct? Yeah, so that that's um, that's one of the benefits we bring is we, we like you said we do abstract it, so it's it's you're just archiving to a rubric cloud target, and underneath the covers we're talking with the different cloud vendors um, using whatever uh, protocol that um, they require. 
Right. The other example there is that when you take like VMs that have been archived into Azure or AWS, if you want to convert those virtual machines to run in Azure or AWS, um, it's obviously a different process between the two of them, but it's the, it's the same interface from a rubric standpoint, even though we're calling very different things under the covers. Now, you, you, you mentioned VMs. Um, as best I can tell, uh, the the solution is is fairly VM centric. It you know it works with uh, VMware, it works with uh, Hyper-V, it works with um, Nutanix's hypervisor technology. Obviously, you know there's a huge part of the market that's very VM centric, and uh, you know there's there's a huge installed base. Are you seeing any interest yet in uh, in backing up container centric environments, or are you guys starting to explore it all? Uh, you know how you how you get involved with with data or or apps that are on containers, or is that not yet kind of on the radar screen? I'm not talking to many customers, to be honest, that are uh, asking about backing up containers. And I, I, I mean, I think there's a reason for that, right? I think uh, if you know, Brian, you're in this space. It's, it's, I think we're just now really starting to see people think more carefully about stateful apps and how do you store di- how do you store state <laughs> like um, properly. And have it mapped to the right containers, like right? so when containers are being kind of supposedly moved around or terminated. So um, I think the standards are just starting to come into place to even figure out how to manage stateful containers properly. And there's actually no standard at all for how to back it up <laughs> in any way whatsoever. So I think our approach is we're kind of we're kind of mo- uh, monitoring things, but we're waiting for some of these standards. Um, for example, coming out like the storage working group coming out of the CNCF. Yep. And the stuff they're doing around container storage interface, um, as you know, that's that's so new that we think it's it's probably wise to wait for that to kind of mer- mature a bit. Sure. Uh, and before we really get into, okay, so how, how do we actually talk with the CSI, for example, so we can actually get a good uh, backup that stateful information properly? Right. Yeah, and it, it is very new days. I mean, we're definitely seeing some some side projects that are coming out, you know, people wanting to back up container registries, wanting to back up their, uh, you know, kind of platform level stuff, the masters and etcd and so forth. But yeah, I can definitely see uh, where it's, it's a space that, that has a big, big amount of evolution. Um, Andrew, you wanted to jump in? Yeah, there's just one thing I wanted to say. I mean, I've literally said, seen roadmaps and some discussions around container support. And you're absolutely right. We, we started from a VMware background perspective, but it's been like about a year and a half where we had to make some just judgment calls about engineering prioritization and saw way higher demand from our customer base around uh, Windows and Linux support. Sure. Um, SQL support, Oracle support, SQL server, right? That kind of thing. So, so those got prioritized higher to pull us away from, hey, just being VMware back, expanding out of those. There's continuing discussions, but I mean, I'm, I look at Jira issues periodically that have customer lists on them, and we're just, we're not seeing the customer demand yet around container backup, but we're, we're pretty responsive from a roadmap perspective internally on that stuff. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. And you guys are, are focused both on kind of VM level as well as a certain application level, it sounds like, in terms of being able to back up or, or crack crack open and, and see what's inside of uh, things like VMDKs and others. Exactly, exactly. So whenever we back up at a hypervisor level, we um, index inside the VMDK so you can like just restore single files via just searching for it. There's a, a law firm that has millions of files in their, uh, in their systems and they were Super excited about that a couple weeks ago. And then, of course, as well, when we back up at an OS level or at a database level, then we're doing indexing to in various ways. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so, yeah, from a content standpoint, like, I think my guess is we'll, we'll take a lot of cues from, from the application vendors. So what I mean is, example, we right now we back up Oracle databases and we used, um, we basically used the RMAN facility that Oracle has within their database. Um, I would assume they're going to, Mo- they'll modify that to be useful in a con- 
in a when a, in a containerized Oracle environment. Um, so when that comes into play, I imagine we would likely look at that as a way to as an approach to backing up um, databases that are in containers. Yeah, no, it makes makes sense. Makes sense. Well, listen, guys, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there. Uh, for folks that want to engage with you guys, where you know where's Rubik going to be in terms of events? Or maybe they can come by and, and see the booth and talk to you guys, or out on the road and so forth. Or what's you know sort of the best way to, to kind of play around with the technology? Maybe maybe do a trial or, or an evaluation. So I'll, I'll speak for myself first. I'll be at uh, actually some B forum events over in Asia soon here, Sydney and Singapore and Seoul kind of thing. Um, I know. I know that Ken, I believe, has some uh, VMUG user cons coming up. We are we are very close to uh, some uh, to, to environments where customers can play around, kind of a la Community Edition. And right now, it's more online demos, but uh, we're, we're getting close to where people can play around with it. But anything you want to add, Ken? Yeah. So um, as Andrew mentioned, we're we're basically at every single VMUG user con, <laughs> um, <laughs> the whole team giving various talks. Um, I'm going to actually be in the Portland and Silicon Valley VMUGs user cons in a couple of weeks and um, not talking about uh, rubric only necessarily i'm actually giving some community talks just about being a technologist the life of a technologist cool um, and then finally um i will will be at, at reinvent for the first time so we're excited about that and i actually have two um sessions at the partner theater uh so that would be a good a good way to come and hear about rubric and how we integrate with aws very cool. Very cool. Yeah, reInvent's supposed to be uh, almost 50,000 people this year. I think it's spread out across uh, five or six or seven different venues, but uh, it'll be both in the, the Aria as well as the uh, the Mandalay Bay or, yeah, Mandalay Bay in terms of like the big show floors and so forth. So, folks, definitely, uh, if you're out there, swing by, see these guys, uh, see Ken talk, uh, does a great job with presentations and uh, is, is always sort of willing to help out the community. So, guys, listen, thank you so much for the uh, for the time today. It was It was good to see, kind of really dig into what's causing so much uh, enthusiasm, momentum around, uh, around Rubrik, why the VCs are interested, and then obviously uh, why so many customers are interested. So guys, with that, uh, I want to thank both Ken and, and Andrew for being on the show and uh, for Aaron and myself. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.